I define conscious leadership as human leadership. It really is keeping um, the people on your team front and center in all of the decisions that you're making. Welcome to The Drift, the podcast where we get to hear from some of the most extraordinary women and chat on all things business strategy, personal development, leadership, and so much more. I'm your host, Aloisa, and today's guest is Jennifer Ives, an award-winning business executive with more than 20 years of experience leading high-performing teams, crafting revenue-generating strategies, and driving double-digit financial results at digital product and data-intensive companies around the world. During her career, she has held responsibility for P&Ls and a variety of leadership functions, including global sales, marketing, strategic growth, and partnerships. Jennifer began her career as a geospatial engineer, where she developed and managed the creation of digital products for national security agencies and global organizations alike, and has worked at the intersection of emerging technologies, business, and people ever since. Prior to her role as Senior Vice President at Three Pillar Group, a custom digital product services company, she was a Senior Vice President of North America at Top Employers Institute, an HR insights and analytics services firm serving Fortune 500 clients around the world. Prior to that, she led strategic growth at LiveSafe, a venture-backed, award-winning emerging technology company that developed an enterprise-class safety and risk intelligence platform serving hundreds of universities, military, and enterprise organizations, now part of the Vector Solutions family. As a self-described data geek, Jennifer is a sought-after speaker, podcast guest, and author. She was recently highlighted by industry peers and analysts as a Business Transformation 150 honoree and has been named two times by the Software Report as one of the top 50 women leaders in SaaS. Jennifer is known as a go-to board and advisory board member for emerging technology and digital-first founders and investors. She is a founding member of Chief, a board member of Boolean Girl, an advisory board member for IES's Women in Sales Leadership, and a member of the Leadership Center for Excellence. She co-authored the top-selling book, Heels to Deals, How Women Are Dominating in Business-to-Business Sales, published on International Women's Day 2022. I am so excited for you all to be able to hear her story. So without further ado, welcome, Jennifer. By the way, Jennifer, I'm saying your entire background and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is what I need to be doing with my life. So, so inspiring. Thank you so much for all the work that you've been doing for not only, of course, general leadership and development, but also really creating and amplifying the opportunities that women have inside business. So I'm so excited for us to be able to have this conversation, but welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, it's so lovely to be here with you. And um, there's room enough for everyone in the world. So whatever we can do to make sure that, as you mentioned, that that, that voices are amplified and that um, there are, are diverse voices around the table at every decision making opportunity. It's 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 what I it's what I try to do, and I'm I'm passionate about it. So. Oh, I'm amazing. Well, let's definitely dive into your journey, your story, how you got to where you are today, and then the key learnings and experiences that you've witnessed too. So I guess I kind of go ahead and get started. Can you share with us a little background on yourself? 
Sure. I'm a geospatial engineer by training who really uh, found out pretty early on in my career that if the commercial side of the company, right, if the revenue growth of the company isn't healthy and um, driving driving success for the company, then it doesn't matter what kind of platform or technology or innovation you have. It, it won't matter. The market won't know about you and uh, potential new clients won't know about you. So I moved um, pretty early on in my career over to the commercial side of the house and have been leading market marketing, sales, go-to-market strategies, strategic partnerships with um, high growth, emerging growth, innovative technology, data-heavy companies, product and services companies ever since. And I love it. I'm super passionate about it. I get to um, know a lot about uh, different technologies and what's going on in the industry and in the world when it comes to technology and innovation. And I get to help put that in the market and make sure that those with that the pain point that we're trying to solve, again, if it's a product or a service, that those with the pain point can know about us. And, you know, again, whichever company I'm, I'm helping and I'm advising or I'm working for a full time um, in a role over there, you know, in, uh, as an executive, then that's that's what I do. I make sure that when a tree falls in the woods, <laughs> people are there to hear it. It makes a sound. That's amazing. Really thinking about how we can continue to innovate and provide solutions to some of these key problems that that we're facing. And my goodness, you have held a variety of executive leadership positions. So you were the the senior vice president at Three Pillar Group, an SVP of North America at Top Employers Institute, serving Fortune 500 clients across the entire world, and then also led strategic growth at LiveSafe. So I can only imagine that you have yourself have been able to formulate what type of leadership style is best catered to you and been exposed to different types of leadership styles. And I know that when you and I first chatted, one of the kind of key pillars of leadership development that we spoke to was this whole concept of conscious leadership. And I think our listeners are probably like conscious leadership. Like, how can I think about like what is conscious leadership? So, can you talk us a little bit about what it is? You know, what's your definition of it, and how you've been able to apply this in your own personal leadership journey? Yeah, I I define conscious leadership as human leadership. It really is keeping um, the people on your team front and center in all of the decisions that you're making, and this is uh, something that I have. Uh, luckily been part of early in my career. Um, I had, you know, someone leading um, our company who, you know, whether, whether he believed that it was, you know, labeled conscious leadership or not, that's what it is called today. And it really is human, human to human leadership. It's putting not only your people at the center of all of your decisions and really understanding that good people, right? The people that you have as part of your, uh, your team, your company, they're the ones who are going to help create success. And without them, you won't have success. It has to do also with your clients and having empathy for your clients and understanding the pain points of where your clients are sitting or what they're dealing with, what they're trying to solve in the market, what they're trying to, the pain points that they're trying to solve for. So conscious leadership to me is it's a high level of EQ, which I know gets, you know, bantered around a lot. It's really important that emotional intelligence, um, the empathy you have for the people that you're surrounding yourself with, right? Again, whether they're part of your team or they're part of your, your, your the set of clients that you're supporting. Um, so in a nutshell, that's how I would define conscious leadership and, and how I try to live my personal life as well as my professional life, leadership life. 
Sure. So really taking at the people and quite business business success is built off of relationships Mm -hmm. and the relationships too. I think it's also equally as important that we think about, of course, having customers and having a deep rooted connection with your customers is a vital part of what defines success in a business. However, in order to make that come to life, I've always viewed the customer experience to ultimately be a byproduct of the development, the relationship that we have with our team members. And I think that also ultimately has a correlation with with conscious leadership, would you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. So pulling on this thread, when we think about conscious leadership development and having a deep-rooted connection with our employees and our team members, Something that I want to be able to explore is the symptoms that our team members might experience. And my goodness, having gone through the past three years of everything that we've had to experience and the the drastic shifts and changes that our organizations and our team members have had to face, let's kind of talk about something really deep. And that's going to be burnout, right? It's a, it's a very heavy topic. It's a topic that my goodness, we all wish that we had the exact playbook on how to be able to solve for, but I'd love to be able to understand your perspective, your experiences. How do you, step one, detect burnout inside teams or even in yourself as a leader, as an executive? Yeah, so when when we talk about burnout, I like to always start with either data, definitions, like the real, you know, the 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 the, the the basis for the, for any conversation, right? So the definition, I'm, I'm literally going to read it. It's by the World Health Organization. Burnout is a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed and is characterized by three dimensions. One is a feeling of energy depletion or exhaustion. Two, increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativism or cynicism related to someone's job. And three, the reduced professional efficacy. And I always think of that as the definition. And another way to understand burnout is also to see that it's it's the end result of more energy being expended than energy acquired, right? So you're putting out more energy than you're actually getting back in life. And so that's that's the short definition. The longer definition is the World Health Organization definition. And to detect burnout, it's really important whether it's, as you mentioned, whether it's yourself, right, to be aware of burnout in yourself and in your teams, because um, many conscious, you know, leaders who follow a, a conscious philosophy and leadership, they have a high IQ, uh, EQ and they're able to detect burnout in their teams many times before they see it in themselves. So that's a really interesting conversation in and of itself, right? And from a leadership perspective, how do you detect it and how do you um, help yourself when you're burned out? How to detect it in teams, again, same way that you, you're going to want to detect it in yourself. And it's to keep an eye out for any of the following signs, the inability for people or yourself to concentrate Um, looking for team members or, um, again, yourself, if you're getting easily upset or angered, um, more so than you normally would, right? This is something new, different. Uh, It's happening quicker. It's happening faster. Recurring sicknesses or sickness and illness, 
Um, and those can be low grade. So really keep an eye on the low grade illnesses, the, the general like lethargy, or all of a sudden you're starting to get colds all the time, or you're noticing that you have strep throat, you know, I'm just things that happen, right? These are things that have happened around me. People are getting strep throat or they're having like tonsillitis often. And that's your body's way of telling you that your immune system is compromised. And so you, you want to be, you know, aware of that kind of reoccurring illness, difficulty sleep. That's a big, big telltale sign. It generally can be one of the first signs that people experience is they're having a hard time sleeping. And then some of these other signs come into play. Um, generally feeling alienated at work. You're not feeling as um, connected as you once did at work. So feeling alienated. Uh, you might um, notice in your teams a cynicism right towards people or towards their job and then kind of an overall hopelessness and these are just some things that again if you're meeting with your teams regularly individually kind of having those one-on-one -on -one meetings as well as team meetings you'll start to pick up a few of these pretty quickly and the best thing you can do is start to help people help yourself if you're experiencing these things and really start to identify that this is happening. Two or three of these things, like, oh my gosh, she listed four or five things, six things. I kind of identify with one or two or three of these. Maybe I should take a moment and really um, think deeply about where I am, what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And is this kind of normal stress or is this actual burnout? So those would be the things that that I would you know keep keep in mind and kind of keep keep front and center. And again, that difference between stress and burnout. Stress by and large, it's um it's 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 like a sense of too much. It's it's too much work, too much pressure, too much demand, right? It's it's kind of a too much. Burnout on the other hand is kind of it's about not enough. Right. So that's the general, it's that feeling of being feeling, you know, feeling empty, feeling mentally exhausted. You're devoid of of motivation. Um, some people are beyond caring. I think a, a great quote is if excessive stress feels like you're drowning in responsibilities, burnout is a sense of being dried up. So though that's a really good way to kind of think through stress, which by the way, stress can lead to burnout. And if you can catch it at the stress level or say, oh, I will be under intense stress for two weeks until this project is done or um, until the, the M&A deal is done or right. And you, you know, it's going to be kind of finite. Um, that's one thing. And then by the way, you should take care of yourself when that, that large project or that stressor ends um, because it can lead to burnout. But I, I, I like the, I, I like that difference to kind of ask yourself and kind of frame out the difference between stress and burnout. Sure. My goodness. There's I'm like in my mind thinking, goodness, there's so many things that I want to be able to like even dive into even deeper here. Um, one thing, and whenever I ask this question to peers and colleagues, I get mixed feedback and it is the question of, okay, well, if we know that, or if we know that, you know, stress happens, right? There's challenges that we have to overcome. We have to overcome adversity and these moments come to us and they are completely unplanned. So there's so many things that we need to be able to consider, but talk me through those that, you know, might be listening, thinking, wait, do, am I experiencing burnout? And then on the other hand, too, maybe it's that I do have burnout. Like, I, this is validation. These are the points. I am recognizing these symptoms. How do you, quote unquote, prevent it? Or on the other end, how do you recover from burnout? Yeah. So, um, 
It's an ongoing conversation I have with myself about preventing stress, not only for myself, um, but for my my teams, my family, those that that I that I work alongside in partnership with those, those sorts of things. So, again, I, I think the the mainly so Gallup did a great poll, the top five reasons, and then we can get to kind of how to how to solve for them or how to how to treat yourself well and, and be sure that you're treating your teams to kind of um, make sure that they're not getting burned out. Um, Gallup had a had a poll and the top five reasons for burnout, unfair treatment at work, unmanageable workload, lack of role clarity, lack of communication and support from someone's manager, and then also unreasonable time pressure. So if you're experiencing these kinds of things, it's really important, right? If you're, if you're rolling to someone and you're under, you know, you're experiencing a number of these things, it's really important to have a, a thoughtful, honest, direct conversation with your manager. That is not someone, I, I, I get that a lot of people um, might feel uncomfortable with that. It's really important to own your voice, to own what's happening to you, um, to share what it is, and you can do it in different ways. Kind of, there are five projects on on my, you know, three projects on my plate, and and two more just came in. Of these, which would you have me prioritize? Right, there are ways that you can have this conversation with the person you roll to, with your manager. So it's it's really important. But those those are the main contributors to burnout. And as a leader, knowing those five, be very very aware of of your teams and of their time and of what you're asking of them. Being really clear with um, with communication, and this is the beginning, and this is going to be the end period for what we're working on, and this is why we're working on it, and this is what we're trying to achieve. Here are the KPIs, the metrics that um, demonstrate to your, you know, so that your team can know when am I doing a good job. Right? When can I factually know if I do these things, if we as a team or I individually hit these KPIs and metrics, and I know I'm on track and I'm 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 good, right? I, I'm set. Um, but those are things to keep an eye out for. And then you asked a really um, a really good question about how to kind of how to recover from those things. Yeah. And first and foremost, and I don't mean this tongue in cheek. I really mean this try not to get there. I love that you're talking about this today on your podcast because I'm hoping that your community of listeners hear some of the the things that caught that are very typical to cause stress and to cause burnout. Um, and they will identify with a couple of those and and set new boundaries, try to do new things to protect themselves a little bit from you know, day-to-day stressors that actually snowball and turn into burnout. And then if you're burned out, what do you do? So it's the try not to get there. Try to be aware of yourself. Try to, um, and it's hard to do. I struggle with it. So I'm not saying I do this perfectly. Um, I've had a, a long career. So I've had times of intense stress. I've probably been burned out a couple of times in my career. And then, and we can go through some like very specific things that you can do. So identify the stressors and, and, make sure that you're caring for yourself. And I, I work, I have kids, I have, you know, volunteer activities that I do. Like, I get it. We all have so many things on our plate. If a mentor told this, uh, shared this with me many years ago, and it, it, it has proven true so often, and I wish I listened and I wish I applied it every single time, which is why I share it, but it really does matter. Put your oxygen mask on first before you put other people's oxygen masks on. Because if you're not healthy, if you're not happy, if you're not fulfilled in life, 
people around you won't be either, right? So if you're taking care of all of these people at work, right, your teams um, at home, your family, by the way, not in that order, your family first, teams at work, it's really important to make sure that the things that doctors and, and healthcare experts say, they, I was chatting with a, a group of executives um, that I consider part of, I call them my executive advisory board, my own personal executive advisory board. And we met a few weeks ago over dinner to talk about everyone's updates. And one of them said, I'm feeling so great, X, Y, Z, these things are happening. And she said, and by the way, the things that healthcare providers and doctors tell you make you feel better, they really work. So if you're getting sleep, if you're taking good care of yourself, getting sleep, trying to eat right, um, getting some form of exercise, just moving the body some form, it doesn't mean you have to run an hour a day. It could be 10 minutes of walking in between meetings. It could be 10 minutes of 15, 20 minutes of walking in the morning if you have little kiddos. Um, mine are a little older now. They're in high school. So, but when they were little, I would take them in the stroller just so I could and walk with them in the morning before they went to school and before I went to work for 10 or 15 minutes so I could get some sunlight kind of on my skin and in my eyes. Um, things like that, like science has the answers to how we can care for ourselves in in little ways. So Admit to yourself that you're burned out. First and foremost, it's really important to go through some of the the points that we made above and that we discussed above, and, you know, and, and identify. Gosh, I'm I'm burned out, and then try to distance yourself a little bit from the stressors. And you just keep can't keep going and expect things to change. You've got to identify what's stressing you out, and then see if you can take a break. See if you can prioritize. Um, uh, whatever it is that you need to do in a day, prioritize to the rule of three, write down everything you need to do that day and choose the three that are the most important. And again, that can be work, that can be family, that could be combined. What are the three things that I really need to make sure are done today? So we'll just focus on work. Um, restore your health. I talked a little bit about some of the things that we know intuitively and that we've been taught in life. Those things really matter. Those things really do help when you're sleeping well, when you're eating well, when you're hydrating. I don't mean to sound preachy. Like these are all things that I've experienced, which is why I share them because I too, as, as the person on my personal advisory board said, and when she said it, I said, my gosh, you're so right. Like when I drink lots of water, when I eat three meals, uh, healthy meals a day, when I, I, I personally in the last two years have really found great joy in um, walking hills um, in, in my neighborhood for about 40 minutes every day. And I get up extra early to do that. So I have the 40 minutes versus maybe 20 minutes on my Peloton. Um, but it's really important for me to get outside, be in nature, um, have sunlight. As I mentioned, even when my kids were little, have sunlight on my skin and in my eyes and make sure that I'm waking up and I'm seeing the sunrise or enjoying that morning sun. Even if it's, again, I now do it for 40 minutes. It's what works for me. I'm able to get up um, earlier than I normally used to. And it's just something that I found has worked for me. Everybody has their thing. It could be 10 minutes. It really doesn't require that much time and energy. So I just really think about restoring health, reevaluate your values, really think about what's important to you. Are you working in an environment that supports your values and aligns to your values? And I, I believe more people are thinking about that recently, and not just with COVID, but kind of the past five years, probably in particular the last three, three and a half years, um, the, the conversation around values is really important because if you're somewhere for, you know, five, eight, 10 hours a day, and you are contributing 
in a way that doesn't align with your values, you will start to feel the friction in your life. And it's, you know, it's just, it's really important that the values align. Um, there's, there's just, there's so much research around that. So um, really think through your values and think through if the company that you're working with or working for shares those same values. Um, you can also start to explore other possibilities and other options, right? You can explore what it might look like if you were to change jobs. And by the way, change jobs doesn't mean leave the company. It means, are there other pieces of me that I would like to grow, that I would like to explore within this company, right? So um, maybe I've been working in external sales for the last number of years, and it's really time for me to, um, I feel like I want to help people in another way, right? So I want to help people who understand our product or who are new to our product, and maybe I I want to go into customer success and I'm still interacting with people. I'm an extrovert. Uh, I'm interacting with people and X, Y, and Z, you fill in the blank, but you can do so in your own, in your own company, in the same company. I mean, you can also start to look at other companies. Are there other jobs that you would like to explore? And are there other companies? Again, that probably goes back to values. If you're looking to step outside of your current company, there can be a number of reasons. Just make sure that the next company you join also um, aligns to your values, or if the previous company didn't, just make sure that that's something that's that's top tops for you. And then um, when burnout gets really bad, you know, it's about taking a break, making a change. Um, not everyone has the luxury to you know to take some time off. Um, but even if you're making a job change, taking you know a week or two between those two jobs could be very, very helpful. It doesn't mean that you need to take six months, right? Uh, just any type of break where you can kind of catch your breath a little bit, um, eat healthy, get some sleep, be excited about your new role and your new job. Those kinds of things are really helpful. So I, I hope, I, I'm sure that you do some of these or that you've been aware of some of them, or I'd love to hear how, how, how you, um, you know, how you handle burnout as well. For, for me, it really was sleeping, eating well, hydrating, and finding some form of exercise that I really enjoyed. And for me, it was changing my exercise. So it wasn't the, the 20 minutes of Peloton, which I love Peloton, by the way. Um, it was, I wanted, I found out that I, I, especially through COVID, I really wanted to be outdoors. And I was getting um, so much energy and peace from being outdoors, even in my neighborhood, which we don't live in the country where I would be, you know, amongst, um, you know, mountains or lakes or, you know, forests of trees, which I love. That's what I do when I'm not at work. I go and do those things. Um, but even just being in my neighborhood and being outdoors uh, is really important to me personally. So once I identified that, I made a switch in my exercise. Oh my goodness. This is amazing. So to answer your question, I think that this is such a fascinating topic because, Something that I've always shared, especially when working with startups, is a healthy founder is a healthy business. And we have to prioritize, especially, especially as leaders, we have to prioritize our own health and be able to find ways to be able to replenish our energy so that we can more effectively deliver and more effectively show up for our teams. And, you know, one thing that I just, I love speaking to you is, Listen, the formula isn't cookie cutter about, you know, what fills your cup. It's it's a matter of 
trying new things, trying the new and different, not feeling this and trying not to feel this pressure that you have to do things a certain way, that you have to um, only do one modality of fitness or you only have to follow this certain diet and like this is the formula for success for overall mental and, and physical well-being. It's There's so many options nowadays to be able to replenish your energy. I think that's kind of one of our key themes. Um, I'm the same as you, though. The, the, the three points of being out in nature, exercising, getting movement. My goodness, if I don't have movement in, in the morning before I start my workday, I'm a very different person. <laughs> yes. Yes, me too. And what's interesting is that for the last number of years, I had forgotten that. I really didn't think it was as important as it is. And so in rediscovering it, um, I, I really now can't go a couple days without starting my day like you with movement. And I kind of tamped that down for a few years thinking like, it'll be fine. And, you know, I'll do this at night or I'll wait until the weekend or, and so I rediscovered it. So you can go through, I, I wouldn't want anyone to go through kind of the, the trials and tribulations of discovering that. So please, everyone listening, um, stay with some sort of movement, stay with what's healthy for you, what you enjoy. You can do online yoga now, like everything. There are so many things that you can do online if, if it's snowing or raining and just to move. And again, it doesn't have to be an hour's worth. It could be you know, um, yoga with Adrian for 20 minutes. I love, I, I love yoga with Adrian. Oh, love her. Um, oh, love so her. It, it could be, you know, something like that where you're doing that. And by the way, she has longer uh, yoga sessions too, but it could be, you know, 20 minutes of her deep breathing class. I mean, just something where you're moving, where you're stretching, where you're, you're, uh, uh, waking your body up in the morning routine in the morning is, is really important. Again, we could have a whole conversation on, <laughs> on the neuroscience of, of health and, um, things that we know scientifically actually work well for the human human being the, the, you know the the mind the brain and the body so yeah I'm glad <laughs> glad that you do those things in the morning I do as well absolutely and it's just it's just proof that there's so many different ways to embark onto a health and wellness journey well this has been so much fun I do have one final question for you if you could give advice to a young woman that is desiring to be a future entrepreneur or executive what would you share with them Oh my gosh. So I'm going to say, so we're at the end of our time together, I think. And I'm just, I'm going to say these really quick because I'll do you five better. <laughs> I think there are oh, yes. of advice. They're, they all link together. So immediately begin building your network. Like immediately, even in high school, I've got high schoolers linking in with me on LinkedIn, talking to me about what they're studying in high school. I love it. I love nothing more than to help students and those in their career, even later in their career, when they're changing in the career, like, Build your network. As Jill Rowley says, your network is your net worth. It is so true. Your network is so important. Be true to them. When you build it, build it authentically. Um, always be available if they need something from you, if they need an introduction, if they want to bat an idea around with you. Like, build your network. Do not be afraid uh, or intimidated to, to reach out to those that you admire. Um, I would also say I, along those same lines, identify and create um, mentorship relationships early. I did not know about mentors when I first started my, my career. Mentors have played such an incredibly important role in my, in my world, both personally and professionally. Can't say enough about mentorship. There are now organizations, many you can Google, you know, Google mentorship organizations, early career, mid-career for women, for scientists, for um, runners, for like 
Google it, you will find an organization. And if you don't find an organization and you are working with someone or you know of someone, reach out, be respectful of their time, absolutely be specific in why you're asking them. I see that you do X, Y, and Z really well, or I have noticed that you've made these decisions in your career. Would you like to be my mentor? Could you be my mentor? I'd really like to, and then be very specific with them about how they can help you. Mentorship matters. Um, I mentioned it earlier uh, in, in conversation, find your voice, own your voice, even as a first-year engineer, I sometimes knew more about my clients' needs than um, someone with more experience who may not, doesn't matter where in the company, right, who may not have had as intimate a knowledge of what was actually being worked on either that day, that week, the six months. I wish I had owned my voice earlier in my career. It didn't hold me back. However, I often... Just it's it's really important. So when I have mentees, I, I make sure that they feel comfortable, confident, they own their voice. A great book is Fran Hauser's The Myth of the Nice Girl. Um, there are a lot of ways that early in your career, maybe when you don't have the confidence that you might have just a few years later or after you've had a particular job for a couple of years or a couple of months, there are ways that you can um, uh, uh, bring your voice forward and be part of a conversation. So I, I highly recommend uh, The Myth of the Nice Girl by Fran Hauser. Um, and then everyone should learn how to sell. Everyone should understand revenue in, <laughs> new clients in, what that means, how to do it. So the commercial side, really understand. And I often will recommend to certain um, mentees that they actually take on a revenue generating role in their career. It is really important to understand how revenue is generated within a business and be able to be part of that conversation, be able to um, be someone who's known to generate revenue. And um, it's one of the fastest ways for women in particular when they're founding their own company and or when they're moving up into up through a company or up through your career to move into the C-suite is to have revenue new generation in your, in your back pocket and to have that, that knowledge in your background. And then lastly, read the following books. I mentioned one already. That's the Fran Hauser, the myth of the nice girl. Good to great. Jim Collins. It's a classic for a reason. Heels to deals. I'm a little biased because I contributed to the book. Heels to deals, how women are dominating business to in B2B sales. Uh, I'm sorry, in B2B business. Um, the Coaching Shift. Oh my gosh, that's a new book that uh, Shauna Waters wrote. It's so, so good, especially for, for leaders. And then also Change Makers um, by Maria Gudici. She's uh, fantastic. Uh, really someone I followed for a long time. And she and a co-author just wrote a book on Change Makers. It's, it's, it's one of my go-to leadership books now. I've actually read it twice just in the last uh, two, I think it was published two and a half months ago, and I've already read it twice. It's a great one. That's amazing. I'm over here jotting down and I'm making sure like, let me go ahead and add to cart right now. So that way I can learn from these exceptional authors such as yourself too. Well, thank you, Jennifer, for your time. It has been a true, true honor. Looking to hear more practical applications of leadership, personal and team development. Subscribe to this podcast and we'll catch you next time on the trip.